0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us, since the world needs all the healing it can get, and we are healing the planet. One person at a time, right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hi there, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing. Are you ready to awaken your sacred feminine sovereignty? If so, we have a really special guest for you today. Dr. Rima Benario is going to show us how to attract everything we want in life when we're really deeply coming from our feminine energy. And she's going to talk about the seven queen archetypes that all women have and how we can embrace them and strengthen them to live happier, more abundant, and more sovereign lives. So um let's welcome Dr. Rima here to the show today. She's a dream weaver, soul coach, and wild heart healer with 30 years on the path of conscious evolution. She a really formidable and impressive background in her own spiritual development in her training. She's a respected thought leader, speaker and teacher for women who are seeking to stand in their personal power while remaining open hearted and connected. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rima. I'm so excited about your book and to talk about the seven queendoms.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. It's just a delight to be with you today.
0: You've done something really remarkable here, which is to blend sort of archetype these feminine archetypes and the chakras and all this beautiful sacred knowledge you have about how to help people access the divine feminine. I have to really say that I totally resonated with your book and with your story because I'm one of those women. I'm one of those women that has had to lead my live, like live my life from my masculine self for so long as as a. I was a single mother of three children, an entrepreneur running my own business. And I was reading your book. I was like crying a little. I'm like, I feel so tired. (laughs) I'm sort of worn out. Like, how do I connect with that divine feminine? And so many of the points that you brought up just resonated with me so strong. So just a huge personal thank you for writing this book. So much to talk about.
1: Thank you. Just thank you. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your your thoughts and reflections on the book. It's absolutely been a labor of love for me to try to turn my healing journey into something helpful for other people, right? So that it makes the pain and the struggle and the challenges that have been overcome really have a a deeper meaning. So it's always wonderful for me to hear that kind of feedback. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you share a lot of really beautiful personal stories um in your book, which I loved. I thought it was very like very vulnerable and also very empowering. And can you just share, just for the people who haven't read your book yet, just a wee little bit about your your personal journey and how you came to be writing this book?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um so for me the the issue began Well, early on when I started to realize that the way that I was operating in my life wasn't functional. And I had an early marriage, what I call a starter marriage (laughs) in my 20s. for uh, (laughs) It lasted about three years. And in the course of that relationship, I was able to see that I'd recreated the dynamic that my parents shared. And that was like the last thing that I wanted. And that happened a lot because I was... Struggling with how to experience love from a non shaming place, and particularly from the masculine. And I was always running around trying to get that need met somehow from something outside of myself. And I didn't do that very successfully. I was, you know, before I got married, I was a little bit promiscuous, thinking that I could just sleep my way into getting a boyfriend. And of course, that didn't work out too well. And then ultimately after I got out of that starter marriage and began my healing journey and saw oh okay I've I've got some issues here about my sense of self and you know feeling like I need to have that validated from everything externally I have to do some work on myself. I, I I began that process, and what I discovered was that for me, I didn't have any struggle in my professional life. I didn't have any struggle with my sense of self around my capacity to get things done in the world. I was always, you know, a go-getter, that kind of you know, get it done, get it done person. But I was struggling in my relationship with men, and. Come to find out, all that go get or get it done energy was a masculine way of relating, a masculine way of operating. And so, my experience with men was one where very often we wouldn't energetically align. They were, you know, looking for a more feminine presence, perhaps. And here I was coming with all this masculine energy. And so, there was this kind of a little bit of a weird dynamic in that I was a challenge. But then once they got what they wanted, then the challenge was over and off they would go. So it's a really incredibly painful experience for me to figure out how how to do relationships, how to be successful in the world. And I arrived, like you said, at this place of just feeling utter and complete exhaustion because I was running my body in a way that was unsustainable. So. In my current marriage, I've been married now for 20 years, and just we have a very devoted relationship where the top priority for us is our personal growth and our relationship growth. And that makes things better. It doesn't mean we don't have challenges, but we have tools now, and we have a commitment to working through those tools. And, and so discovering this whole other way of being, that there was a way to operate more in a feminine space and still be successful in the world. But by me defining that success in my own way, just brought all kinds of relationship harmony and took that world of relationship distress that I was living in and just reformed it completely.
0: Mm, It's so beautiful. You um, talk about in your book how you went through a lot of inner work, including 10 years of of working as a shadow work facilitator, which is some pretty impressive spiritual creds. Not everybody has has what it takes to ever do that, never mind do it for 10 years. So what is shadow work and how did that sort of become one of the underpinnings
1: of the work that you're doing now? Yeah, shadow work is a, a really, really important aspect of the growth trajectory. It's just not usually something we hit early on or we don't recognize it when it's there. And what we mean when we say the word shadow, it's a phrase that was coined by Carl Jung, who was one of the most preeminent psychologists and psychoanalysts and in modern psychology. So there was Freud, who was really working on neuroses and what was wrong with us, what what were the diseases of the mind that kept us from being happy. Jung came along after him, and he was interested in that, but he was also interested in the, the brighter, more soulful parts of who we are, our healthy aspects as well. And what he saw was that there were these unconscious dynamics, these unhealed wounds from our growing up years that kept us from living into that beauty and brilliance that we are. And we would have, mm-hmm. I, I like to think of it like the operating system for your com, for your computer. I mean, most of us don't think a lot about our operating system. If we're on Linux, if we're on Oracle, those are business uh, operating systems. Most people who If you're on a Mac product, that's a Mac operating system. If you're on a PC, that's a Windows operating system. Like We know these terms, but when we're working on the computer, we're not really thinking about what's going on in the background. We just need it to function. And For ourselves personally, we have all this stuff, all this material, this unconscious material happening in the background that's actually driving our choices, driving our responses to people, places, and things, and it's happening without our consent, without our conscious acknowledgement, and so that's why we call it shadow. It's sort of in the shadows. And when we start to see a pattern happening over and over again, that when with this particular person, I keep showing up like this, or when this particular issue happens, it pops me out of my brain and I become a crazy person, or I shut down and I can't access my feelings or my words, and I just want to run away. That's an indication that you've probably stepped on one of those shadow landmines, you know, or one of those shadow, fallen in a shadow hole. And you could benefit from having some support that would allow you to tease out where did that come from? Where did that start? What was the origination point for that wound so that we can do the healing work to resolve it? And when we resolve mm-hmm. what's happening in the shadow part of our psyche, it means that we get to live from a greater freedom, less fear and worry and concern and we're more able to be masterful in our responses to life.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I did I did a lot of work with the path work back in the day and it was so um super challenging but so rewarding, you know? I for me what happened is I would clean up those shadows and it would just like liberate it was like life force energy for me that I, I didn't know was sort of locked away in these old trauma kind of based patterns, you know, that we carry.
1: Yeah, and it, it it does really open up a whole world for us and that's why when I wrote about the queen archetype it was very important for me to also talk about the shadow expressions that she can show up in because yeah. we we need to be aware we need to be aware of you know what's who's driving the bus and as I like to say it's okay for my conscious self to drive the bus or for my higher self, my soul to drive the bus, all the other parts and pieces of me, they just need to be sitting back there somewhere.
0: It's not fun when you're unconscious or your shadow parts drive the bus. That's, that's problematic. It is, yes. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about the queen archetype, uh, queen archetypes that you have. And first of all, when I saw your breakdown of sort of mother, maiden, crown, which, you know, was something I was familiar with. And then you kind of, you kind of slid the queen in there in the space between the mother and the crown. And I was like, yes, because I'm past the mother stage. My children are adults, you know, grownups. And I I don't quite identify yet with the crown. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's, oh my goddess, that's it. Like I get to be a queen. It was, it was just so, I was so, I felt so validated. It was so lovely. I was like literally doing a little dance in in my, in my kitchen when I read that. (laughs) So thank you for that. But let's talk about it. How did you, how did you slide the queen right in there? seems like she should have been there all along.
1: That's what I believe is that she should have been there all along. She used to be there but we've lost track of those, you know, so much of our ancient wisdom we've lost track of. And, and the idea of the Maiden Mother Crone actually was uh, popularized not all that long ago, right? And uh, just a little over 100 years or so, they started actually about 150 years ago, they started sort of going back in and looking as all this new ancient stuff was coming into light, you know, we were discovering things in, you know, Pompeii and that whole area down there and then Greece, and then also then Egypt, it started and there was this whole access to these ancient traditions, these ancient lineages. And so as that was teased out, this idea of the three phases of the moon made in Mother Crone just became part of our zeitgeist, part of our, our cultural understanding. But the, the moon actually has four phases. It's It's got a period when it's dark also. And as I was in the same place you are, I was not ready to move into Crone. And I began doing research and I discovered that there is this fourth time, this fourth archetype where we're really owning our power but we're not in that place where we're off to the side sort of just as guide where the crone is sort of like offering her wisdom from that deep experience she's the elder she's people sort of journey to her to get her wisdom the queen is very much still active and very much in leadership in her life and in the world she's just doing it with all of the understanding that she's received in her over her lifetime But also deepening her sense of sovereignty, of owning this time in her life where it's about her. It's about her. Mm -hmm. And we have access to all four of these energies at any time in our lives, but sometimes they're more potent than others based on what's going on for us. And so the Queen, I really am fond of saying that. We're not going to be able to be the powerful crone we want to be if we haven't first truly embodied the sacred sovereignty that comes from being a queen.
0: So beautiful. You really are blending sort of um, some archetypes in here, like breaking down queen, the queen into further archetypes. Yes. Um, and then and then putting them in with the chakras, which I thought was brilliant, by the way. Wow. Let's talk about that. So there's different kinds of queens. You talk about seven different kinds of queens, and probably there's more because archetypes are very, you know, there's sort of an unlimited version of them out there. But you broke it down into four really powerful ones with the idea that we ought, we might have one one or two that we live more in, but we really actually ought have all of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that happened because as I was in my own journey to create greater sovereignty for myself, I realized that there were seven different areas that I wanted to create that sovereignty. So for me, it made more sense to try to do it like one bit at a time than trying to do it all at once. And, and that's why I go on this journey with people when they read this book and in my courses we're we're going on this journey to really deeply discover and hold all of these parts of ourselves all of these different forms of sovereignty so spiritual sovereignty mental sovereignty our energetic sovereignty, emotional sovereignty, sexual sovereignty, physical sovereignty, and then our expression in the world, our expressive or dharmic sovereignty. And those Mm. all were very important areas for me. And as I began to explore this with my students and with myself, this whole teaching arrived of being able to move through each of those domains with a different queen as the guide. So the seven queens are the divine queen, the visionary queen, the expressive queen, the loving queen, the empowered queen, the sick, um, sorry, the passionate queen, and the grounded queen. And each of those queens mm-hmm. oversees a different area of sovereignty. And she also has two forms of shadow that can show up if we're underexpressed in a certain queen energy, will have one sort of shadow that shows up. If we're overexpressed in that queen energy, we'll have another form of shadow that shows up. And so the idea is to become aware of all these areas of sovereignty and seek to be as centered as we are able to be in the process of owning those queen energies.
0: So I want to ask you about what particularly you mean about sovereignty because I think there's layers to the way that really interesting layers to the way you're using it. Um, But let's take a quick break. We are here with Dr. Rima Benario talking about her fantastic book, The Seven Queendoms. So Dr. Rima, we were talking about sovereignty and I I just really think there's an almost like a play on words here with this term in your book, because on one hand, queens are the like sovereign, you know, like leaders of a realm. And also sovereignty is sort of our personal identity. Um, our personal sense of self is, is that at least how that, that's how I was interpreting it. Is that where you were coming from when you were using that word?
1: In this work, we start by being sovereign over our inner domain. That's the most important domain that we need to achieve sovereignty with. It's really not about, you know, having a bunch of people to boss around or having a bunch of riches dropped at our feet. You know, if we think about the physical aspect of a queen, you know, that she wears all these drips and jewels and things like that. However, Seeking to know for ourselves what our own form of abundance is, is a really important part of our own natural sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And so we, we must learn how to take good care of ourselves and be our own champion. And really, when we're talking about sovereignty, we're talking about the ability to be in self governance and free from external influence Mm -hmm. so that we get to feel that we're making our own choices in our own lives. And as women, for many, many thousands of years, we haven't actually had access to certain kinds of sovereignty in our cultural experience, in the collective experience. And so where do we have to start? We have to start by having sovereignty over our inner domains. And as we are working on that and bringing integrity to the inner life, we create integrity in the outer life. And we start to see what we won't tolerate, you know, what we've been tolerating that isn't is inappropriate and what we want to create instead. And the point of power we discover lies within us. So if we're other focused and we're always worrying about what other people are doing, we're actually missing the doorway into creating a sovereign life. It has to start with our response to what's happening around us. And if we continue to be in places that have shown us and demonstrated are not safe and not respectful and um, not available for us in a nourishing way, we are participating in our own sense of having, uh, you know, damage done. We are participating in that experience. And so we have to learn how to hold ourselves as sacred and sovereign so that the choices we make around what we bring into our lives and where we spend our time and energy and effort, our precious life force energy becomes our decision. And sometimes we need help. We need help with that. We need help from others. Sometimes we need help adjusting or moving out of old patterns. You know, it may not feel good, but it feels comfortable. And so a lot of people right. stay where it's comfortable, even though they know it's not what they need. It's not right. It's not where they should be. So I love, love, love to help people move out of those forms of distress and into deeper sovereignty.
0: That's beautiful. I think we have blind spots around it. Like we, you know, it's hard always to see where we're holding limited beliefs, especially if they're coming out of our subconscious or in our unconscious or shadow selves. So love that. I so love that word. So Let's talk about how do we know what our dominant queen is? How do we, how can we tell?
1: Well, I have a quiz available on my website. And if you go to the website, it's right there on the homepage. You have to scroll down a little bit. We can offer the link as well. And you can take Mm. a little test just to see which one is your most dominant queen archetype. Also, if you do purchase the book, you can go through each of the chapters there and kind of get a sense for yourself of which one you resonate with the most. And, Mm -hmm. and once you learn which one is your strongest queen, the, the next challenge is to discover which is the one that you're, you're not really keyed into very well. You know, all of us have strengths and places where we need greater development and noticing which of the Queens kind of repels you or scares you, or you just feel like, Ooh, not for me that's a sign that there's some work for you to do in that particular area of your own sovereign domain.
0: Right. Cause we really need access to all of these, um, all of these ones. And I, I don't know if this is true, but I, I would imagine maybe, it's almost easier to see the shadow aspects of this. Like yes. when I read your book, I was like, I could, I could recognize myself so easily in the shadow. And then it, when it came to the, like the higher expression, it was hard for me to own it. Honestly.
1: That's a really great insight, Lisa, because part of what we're doing in this work as women is stepping into actually owning the fact that we do get to be our most brilliant and amazing self. It's actually our responsibility. The feminine holds all the generative capacity. We all have masculine and feminine energy in us. So we all have that ability to be generative. It just so happens that because we're born into a female body, we have greater access to that feminine energy. And it's our job, and it has always been the feminine's job, is to set the direction. And then the masculine's job is to get us there. But right now, Mm -hmm. we have, as a society, really devalued the power of the feminine along with female power, which is really about women, whereas the power of the feminine is about no one, right? It's all—it's about all of us. We all have that within us. Right. And we are struggling because we don't have this uh, direction that is generative, life affirming and nurturing and creative. We, we seem to instead have this fascination with death and how to avoid it or how to control <laughs> through creating death and destruction. And so the masculine's very good at that. And, and we, yeah. it's not that we want to get rid of that. We absolutely need our masculine capacities. But as women, we won't personally feel nourished, happy, healthy, or live long and enjoy life if we're not really focusing in on developing our feminine capacities as well and allowing that to be the one setting the direction.
0: Yes, and you have some very practical ideas, resources, exercise practices for helping us embody because these are really, we have to embody them there. I mean, it's good to think about them, you know, to start with thinking about them and understanding them, but really, we need to deeply embody them. So how do we do that? Asking for a friend.
1: Yeah, it's the name of the game, Lisa. You have it on target here, and that's why I call this book the soul map for embodying sacred feminine sovereignty. And and that's why we need to move through all of these queens. We we need to understand that we have a right to know that we. Are wanted on this planet, that we have the right to exist on this planet, that we have the right to our needs, wants, and desires, and to our own personal power and to be a differentiated self. So we don't have to be who somebody else told us we had to be growing up. You know, in our parents' best efforts, they can't do it perfectly. I mean, I don't care how wise and awakened your parents are they're going to make mistakes because they're human. And all of us have to do that work to unravel those harsher experiences that we had that thwarted our development. And so really this idea of leaning into our brilliance, leaning into the magnificence of what it means to be a woman, to how beautiful it is. We have this amazing body. But to learn how to work with your body so that you are able to live fully in your body. And that was a new thing for me. I mean, I, I was really great at being sort of up here, living from the neck up. And then I found my heart when I got into uh, New Thought Christianity through Unity and Centers for Spiritual Living. And so then I was living sort of from here up. But all that stuff down there, it was like, you know, oh, no, the body its sort of like a bother, man, you have to feed that thing and get it enough rest and take it out for exercise. And oh, my gosh, make sure it's watered. That was like a foreign concept. Mm-hmm. To me. But <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize how much of the pleasure and the joy of life comes from being embodied. That's why we're here is to bring this aspect of divinity, the goddess, and and however you think of the divine into f- physical form. So the all the yeah. joy and pleasure comes from being comfortable in your own skin. And many of us grew up in environments that didn't lead us to feel comfortable in our own skin. So we found ways to kind of disappear or not not live in ourselves truly and and we suffer from that we suffer from that and so when you go through the book there are lots of different exercises involved in in there things that seem deceptively simple but when you do those practices with some regularity you begin to become more masterful at living in your body and more comfortable and feel at home inside your own skin
0: Beautiful stuff. Um, I noticed a big shift in my life in that because I started my early life as a martial artist, which is, uh, you know, in a pretty tough martial arts style, which is sort of a very yang masculine way to go. And then um, later in life, I s- started dancing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you were doing, you know, you were doing salsa and me too, like me too. Like the dancing has been one of the things that is at times the sort of only thing that's kept me like embodied in my feminine. So so that's been a blessing for me.
1: Dance is such a powerful tool. And you know, you don't have to go out and partner dance in a club somewhere to get the value of that. If you put on a, a piece of music that you really enjoy that moves you and just allow yourself just for three, five minutes in the morning on a given day, if, a, if there's a day you're feeling stuck or particularly crunchy, my, my daughter sometimes calls it you know, being salty, you know, uh, and you put on a piece of music and you just let your body move you that moment Mm -hmm. of reconnection to our, our vehicle, to the the temple that we inhabit is so full of lusciousness and we, we turn the speed dial down. We slow down. This is where we find the feminine. You can do this also by going on a walk in nature where it's not a speed walk. It's not about getting your heart rate up and getting your cardio in. It's just about walking and seeing the world and being in awe and feeling the just the blood moving in your body connecting to your body feeling with intention what it's like to put your feet on the earth, maybe even laying on the earth. These are all super easy, powerful ways to connect with with the beautiful feminine Mm -hmm. vessel that we have.
0: Thank you so much. So um, for those tips, I think they're beautiful. So Dr. Rima, how can people work with you? Like you offer classes coaching, how can we get more?
1: Yeah. So you can come to my website and see that I do have one-on-one mentoring that I uh, have mentoring clients that I work with. I also have different classes that are available on the website. And then every year I open my annual program, which is my signature program called Queens Court, where we actually take an entire year to go through Each of the seven queens and a bunch of deepening materials as well to understand how to do this embodiment stuff that we're talking about here, how to bring relationship harmony to our lives, how to end emotional and relationship distress by seeing when we're in these shadow expressions and coming back into center and being able to live as a sovereign being it's amazing the changes that can happen in our lives and so whether you're someone that likes to work one on one with a, a professional coach or teacher that's available if you like group work which is always incredibly powerful that's available and there's you know plenty of options for Uh, distance learning, some classes that people can just take at their leisure that are available on my website as well.
0: And how do we find your website?
1: You can just come to rimabonario.com. I actually think I'm probably the only Rima Bonario in the whole world. So you can find me. <laughs> I mostly hang out on, on Facebook. Uh, I have a professional page there. I have got, um, I do have a presence on LinkedIn and Instagram. But I'm not over there as much as I, I probably ought to be. I've got a few little videos here and there on YouTube as well that you can find. But uh, I know we'll put a link in the show notes for those who want to come to the website. Check out that quiz, and there's a, a other. I have a whole page of free gifts available on the website as well.
0: Mm. Dr. Uma Bonario, thank you so much for bringing your incredible wisdom to us today. I super appreciate having you on the show.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Love what you're doing in the world. Thanks for being the light you are.
0: Thank you, and thanks all of you for tuning in. I know you just want to reach out and hit that subscribe button right now, so you can keep getting more of the good stuff. If you want to visit me, you can find me at lisacampion.com. I'd love for you to stop by and visit. My work is really about training psychics, healers, and empaths to fully step into the world because I think the world needs all the healers it can get now more than ever. So thank you for joining us today on The Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM.